Hear Us Herein, the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Eve, with books laid before the bear named M, to read and retire around the long fire. We're back. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like in doing the prep for this episode, which was a lot of reading of stuff that honestly I don't have that much to say about, um, <laughs> I fundamentally like remembered why I like this bullshit. Even though I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate the thing, like the, the just something about reading this back matter. I was like, oh, right. I used to like do this. This was like the thing I was into. You know, I was I yeah. was a weird classics teen. I went to school for this briefly. Uh, I, you know, I dropped out. You know, I didn't get my degree in it, but whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? Um, I don't know. Reawoke the flame inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this is a pretty good like back matter section too. Yes. Um, I feel like sometimes not, not that like, especially with classics, I feel like, um, usually there's like at least some decent information in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, this one in particular felt, uh, pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, just really getting into like, what would be the actual concerns of the people when this is being written, how does that like influence the work? Um, also, who might have even re- wrote it? Yeah, <laughs> which is a concern of much debate. And like, what sources did they have to pull from? Um, what was in the ether in terms of other popular poems? You know, things of this nature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because the thing that uh, is actually in the earliest part of the back matter. I think it's like the thing that I was really like this. This really hones in on my feeling about it. Was talking specifically about the way in which. Um, this is not the like mythic poetry of Beowulf, right? They talk, they specifically cite Beowulf and it's not the Christian moralizing works that we're going to get to when we get to Lamar Darthur, right? Like, uh, like a couple yeah. hundred years from now, every piece of work has to be bent around the needs of like ubiquitous Christianity. Um, and if not, it's at your peril. Uh, I just sits in this weird, middle space where it's kind of serving both masters and neither and it leaves it like a certain ambiguity um that is uh it's one of the things i when we when we read the sagas even like we're getting the sagas it's like because this is a history and it's like you know a, a fictionalized history but it, it, sometimes it is a history uh there's just a certain ambivalence to the whole thing <laughs> that i yeah. don't think of when i think about <laughs> classics <laughs> yeah um this one was particularly interesting too because and i feel like this comes up with some of the like saga stuff as well mm. like when we do the adas um you know there's the whole Velospal that like is the telling of ragnarok and like the death of all the gods and stuff um and that also has like clear there's like passages in it that are like most of it feels older and then there's like newer verses um yeah and all of that is like clearly like things that are changing somehow. Like maybe it's a Christian who's writing it and like trying to put in like, and then the Christian God or whatever. Um, so yeah, this one was also interesting for like, especially cause there's just so many different sources for all this, you know, Seerther, Siegfried, um, all of those guys uh, <clears throat> that we can sort of like piece together, how some of it uh, must've come about. Um, I, that part was really fun and exciting to read about. Um, yeah, running running down all the precursor versions of the myth, including the one we, you know, the ones we read when we read uh, 
Volsung Saga uh, was good. Uh, I yeah. love that. Um, yeah, and especially because it's been a really long time since I've read the like other lays of like Seether and Grimhild and stuff. Um, but then seeing that and being like, oh, like in those. Um, what is it? Uh, Giesel Hare, who I thought was going to die first, did die first. And then, like, <laughs> Garenot, they, like, subbed in. Um, like, this poet in particular. Um, and then same with, like, uh, Dietrich was originally the one, but then it, like, got given to Hildebrand as the one to kill the, the queen. Um, mm. Also for, like, you know, vague modesty reasons. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I thought a lot of that stuff was interesting, too, of, like, uh, this changing, like, you know, there's this new young generation that, that doesn't like the body, like old stuff. They want things that feel a little bit more, uh, you know, mm-hmm. are going to just tell you everything. They'll, yes. they'll talk about the ring, but they're not going to like actually talk about the sex. Whereas like the older ones will just talk about like, <laughs> see if there has sex with her or whatever. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that stuff was really fascinating. So also just the, the, amount the story by its nature has to do fantastical time compression right there's characters that are young at the beginning that are still described as young at the end even though 30 years have passed how old is Krimhild? a question no one can answer (laughs) yeah um yeah that stuff was was really like this I feel like we were already picking up on, like, there's clearly two different sides. There's, like, this shift that happened with, like, Hagen taking uh, more center stage and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of that, like, contextualized additional reasons why beyond just, like, it's two different sources that they're pulling yeah. from. Um, I, I do think the, the back matter gives a good – because there's a part where it literally runs down all the characters and what their traits are. It talks about if, if you could pull any, like, moral center out of this book, it would be about Creamhild's pride – in demanding like the things that are due to her and how it brings her ruin. Right. But then talks about how it it doesn't actually commit to that in the way that we would in a piece written like 200 years later or whatever. Um, And um, it does, it does put Hagen in a context of this like knight who recognizes like not chivalry in the way that we think of it quite yet, but like, like a certain sort of like warrior's obligation to his people. But he must serve his masters, even though his masters are like, we're going to go to our certain death and just the grimness with which he has to set to to that thing, even though yeah. he's the only person who knows how doomed they all are, um, which like, you know, in terms of like, I am not my my sympathies, a modern reader, not necessarily Hagen, but it does offer a picture of why Hagen is depicted as the like main character of especially the back half of this. Yeah. Um, and also explains like. Or I guess, like, gives finer detail and and more context to, like, you know, some of the reason why Creamhild, like, goes from being sort of the protagonist to, like, this, you know, woman who needs to be punished is just, like, gender roles in action <laughs> of the time. Um, so, um, you know, basically, like, she she went too far with it. And it's like, well, now you're not a proper lady anymore. So... <laughs> you know pick up a sword can't have that so um yeah i thought that stuff was interesting to you yeah um it does make me want to check out more of the the like various sources Hmm. um because especially like i was looking at it and i was like oh yeah i've like basically read the norse ones Hmm. to to some degree um 
So I don't think I've read. Maybe I've read Atlakvitha. I don't know about that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, this is the thing for me as uh, as a youngin when I was a teen that really drove me into this thing. Like I started with Tolkien, as I've said, read Lord yeah. of the Rings and I was reading like Silmarillion and then I was reading Tolkien's letters and I was like, Oh, this guy is just pulling from all sorts like Beowulf, which I read in Brit lit class, right? Like mm-hmm. we covered a little bit of Beowulf. Then I went and read the rest of Beowulf. Um, we read like a couple chapters of Canterbury tales. Um, Cause you never read the whole thing in school. Uh, literally Dia's in my uh, Twitter mentions right now saying we should do the Canterbury tales, which we have not talked about, but it's, it's on a potential list. I guess that would be a long one to do. Cause I'd want to do the whole thing. Yeah. That would be like a season. Um, and it won't yeah. be right now. Obviously we're pretty set for probably the rest of the year, but um, who knows? Um, anyway, like I read a little bit of the Canterbury tales and then like, I read um, Dante's Inferno in like my junior year of high school. Um, and in doing that, like there's just so many references in that to like things that I had read. Like there's multiple references to things that happen in Canterbury Tales that happen in other works. Um, you just start to see the interconnectedness of like the body of work that existed on the continent <laughs> at the time yeah. that spans like a thousand years. And you're like, man, like the, 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 the compendium, the canon has a power by the nature of being a canon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And especially like the, the canon of the classics, um, that stuff in particular, like hits harder for me. Whereas, uh, sometimes there's like the, the modern canons. Um, and I feel like we're just in the, the space where all the other writing is also happening and easy to get to. Um, and so that sometimes those ones are, you know, like Connor and I always have the the argument of like I think uh at like at this point people don't really need to read much Lovecraft you can like find other people who are writing stuff inspired by Lovecraft engaging with Lovecraft that's like probably going to to get you to some of the core ideas and the like critiques of Lovecraft faster um but when you, when it comes to the classics it's just like wow all this stuff is like weirdly engaged but also like through time um yeah yeah and this is true like of any region of the world's work right like we're we've mostly by the nature of this uh, starting where we did have stuck to europe um yeah and i don't we haven't really discussed going beyond that even though it's totally possible at some point um i feel like just reading this was like man we could we could go with like i know that people come here for like the part where this is like a off the cuff whatever's going on with our week podcast for the most part but I'm like the classics part of this could go forever. We could never be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we could do some like, you know, Chinese classics, Japanese classics. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, dig deeper from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're only limited by what's available in English. Uh, but Which yeah. does still limit us to some degree. Yes, but, that does yeah. limit us quite a bit. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very exciting seeing all this stuff and being like, man, if I just wanted to follow this trail, it would take me in so many different directions. And that's even before you get to like Wagner and the stuff that he's pulling from this and then other stuff that all builds into a different new thing that people riff on for the next hundred, 200 years, you know? Yeah. Um, especially at this point, I'm, I'm a little bit more curious to read like Wagner's, uh, ring cycle, but yes, um, I feel like it's still like a little bit lower 
on my my stack of even like Seerther, Siegfried, whatever mm-hmm. you know, uh, books to read. So yeah, it's just um, reminded me of why I was a classic sicko, uh, and what what the appeal is to me. Just like this, everyone is working within a, a body of work that's understood, but in doing so, bring something personal to it every time. Um, it's neat. And it, like people joke, you know, like about like there's some tweet going around about um, it might have been just one of our friends. So it won't actually mean anything to anybody about like, oh, I can't believe whenever I read a classic and they refer to the Iliad, I'm like, I can't believe this is in the Greek, like cinematic universe or whatever. Um, and on some level, that's true. But the difference is like. That is all meant to adhere to a brand and you can't, there's no such thing as a brand yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in the, in the world we're talking about. Um, the ideas exist as touchstones for personal expression, not the other around the other way around, which is the hallmark of like corporate art is it all must be regulated under the edict of whatever you're selling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, occasionally you'll get like weird, interesting stuff within that. I feel like yeah. uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has not done that as much as like no. maybe broader comics, like Cape Comic stuff, yeah. you know, but, like, has. I, but... was thinking, I was thinking earlier today, I was, or I think it was yesterday, I was like just d- d- like thinking, and I was like, oh, Paradise Lost Season of Alf. We should do that. And I was yeah. like, I really need to, I really need to finish like my adult reread of the Bible before we do that, which is not going to happen on this podcast, but I've been, it's a thing I've had on my to-do <laughs> list, like for personal, like just understanding the world reasons for like years. And it's been a, a edifice I chip away at, you know? Yeah. Um, um, because it's hard to walk into Paradise Lost without like a grounding in what the fuck it's referencing and talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not like obviously not anytime soon. You know what we're doing next? We're doing Beowulf. We're do- uh, we're doing uh, Lamort Arthur. Um, we'll have what we're doing. Like at the end of the episode, we'll talk about what uh, Beowulf things we're doing. Uh, the spreadsheet. You have the spreadsheet. Is that publicly available? The spreadsheet. Um, I think it is. Okay. I don't know if I'm we have add, like I'm going to add the Arthur stuff it. now that I've uh, yeah. preliminarily d- split up Arthur for us to that. So. Um. Did I actually get Beowulf in here? If not, no. I don't know. I'll put well, it in here. But, it'll be um, done before this goes up next week, so. Yeah. Um, I think it's just three episodes for Beowulf, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Arthur's going to be like 13. It's going to be a much bigger to-do. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, I will. Well, I'll, I'll get the actual lines in here because I have to figure out yeah. where I wrote them down, but. I have them. Um, I have them. Uh, I guess I could just say them right now, uh, but I do have them. Um, where did I put that? Um, so uh, next week, we'll be reading lines one to one thousand and seven. The week after that, we'll be reading uh, one thousand eight to 1962. And then the week after that, we'll be reading 1963 to the end. OK. Um, which that, it's a slim book, so it'll be a quick I think it will be a quick read all three weeks. So, yeah. I, I briefly considered us trying to do it in two and I was just yeah. like, eh, let's just, yeah. let's just like the, the, the three battle is a common way to divide yeah. up Beowulf anyway. So we yeah. might as well. Yep. Um, but I assume it'll be some shorter reading. Yeah. This one was long. I'm glad we had two weeks. I, I yeah. could have gotten it done in one, but it was only because I'm in a uh, moment of, uh, reading uh what do i want enthusiasm 
I read a lot of this uh, across one Saturday. Yeah, um, I read it all. A lot of it yeah. on a, a one lazy day. Um, and then I then I did the last like thirty pages yesterday or the day before that or something. Yesterday, yeah, actually, it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I would have been a lot more stressed if I didn't have like two weeks to find that like one day where I'm kind of just sitting yeah. around the house reading most of the time. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah. Um. Enjoyed it though. Yeah. I um for all of my ambivalence about some of it as if we were in it, um I think it was really good. I um I just love to read a book. As long as it's not kings harrying to and fro, I'm pretty I'm pretty content, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um and honest I feel like not that we would have loved it, but I feel like if we broke up Hamstringle more like if yeah. if like we came back to it every once in a while I feel like we would have had a, a slightly better time than just being in it for like that's true the whole time I do think there's a value in just ripping the bandaid off but yeah. I, it's weird to say because like I do think that's true I also think just like my capacity for reading is increased now that I you know I have I have treatment for the ADHD that I've had and not been doing anything about for 30 years um, and it's definitely increased my capacity for paying attention to fucking books yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> um especially at a period where i just wasn't reading that much and i was just like ah yeah. oh, like I, I feel like i uh you know i can sit down and read a little bit but like manga that's so much easier it goes down so much smoother um but yeah well yeah i could i can i can poop socks and manga i can read the fucking 15 volumes in a day that's not a problem but it doesn't it, it's not the same that's not the same yeah thing. yeah it truly isn't um so yeah, it's been it's been nice to like get that reading muscle back. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just this. Like I'm also doing Dragon Readers. If you're not listening to Dragon Readers, uh, please listen to me and Nora. It's on Export Audio Network, Export Audio. We're reading the Aragon books. We finished. We haven't recorded the episode on the end of the second book, but I finished the second book. Um, and, um, uh, I have many things to say about some of the stuff at the end of that book, but I've been having a good time <laughs> talking through it. Uh I, I fully support and agree with you that more people are going to know what it is if you just say the Aragon books than the Inheritance yeah, Cycle. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just true. That's just facts. Yeah. Yeah. People people know what Aragon is. They don't really care or remember, but they, they've heard of it. Yeah. There was a movie called Aragon. So they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that was based on a Haven't book. Seen There's it. like no, other I'm books. Not, okay. Not going to watch that. Yeah. We... We have not really discussed it, but I feel like when we finish Lord to Arthur is when we should watch that one movie that is the the pulls that we pull our ending theme from. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if we need to watch all of them because, I mean, the second one w- would also just be like one episode. But that uh, the White Viking one is like, you know, yeah. it's long. I was just thinking maybe we should do like yeah. in between seasons, do a movie week or two just to have a yeah. clean break. But yeah, I think we could do When the Raven Flies, which is what our, our theme song's from. Okay. Um, this is a lot of fun. And also, like, you watch it, and if you've read enough sagas, you're like, oh, yeah, this I can see how this is, like, doing a saga thing. Uh, but also, it is just, like, a, you know, samurai movie or, like, spaghetti western kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, stranger rolls into town, turns people against each other, gets revenge. Yeah. Um. There's a, a grooving kind of techno-y song. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's great. I'm excited. 
They shoot real arrows at that guy. <laughs> oh, just like Throne of Blood. Yeah. Uh, except this time it goes into the armor that he's wearing. Mm, don't like that. Yeah. Um, apparently it was, it was point blank, which is better for an arrow because you can do it with less force. Oh, I, I could, I can understand yeah. that because yeah. you don't have to pull so far back on the bow, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and you have like a little bit more control over it and like, yeah. you know, a little more control over like it's hitting the chest and not the face yeah. area and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just like the, the guy who made the stuff for it, like, knew the old leatherworking stuff. So literally just made the armor that they would have to like stop arrows. So, mm. um, but I still feel like I'd be nervous if I, if I was that guy just wearing leather armor, getting shot in the chest with a bow. <laughs> yes. So I assume he like tested it first before he put it on. You yeah. Know? You don't just like yeah. go out there and hit me. Yeah. Um, my guess is there are like multiple, um, here's just like a, a thing of the armor that we have on like a dummy that we're going to hit and see how far the arrow goes in and stuff. But, um, it'll be fun then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else you've been up to. Um, well, I've been gaming, um, which I guess we could talk about. I've been watching some movies and I've been working on reading, but it's all for podcasts or things I can't talk about yet. So I subjected my friend circle to a, a, a book today that I can't talk about for months. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that's the problem. I, I the, the the thing I've been doing, the thing that's been uh, taking up most of my like fun time is I've been playing Tomb Raider uh, re- one in the remastered version that just came out. Um, that game is so fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> I I like it. Messed around a little bit with the um, PlayStation version, maybe last year, something like that. I, I intended to go back, but I never did. And um, when the remaster came out, a Digital Foundry put out a video being like, this is actually pretty well-made and whatever. And, you know, it's always a concern. Does it run good? Does it look good? Did they did it look like the AI upscaled everything? And the answer is yes, yes, no, in, in that order, um, which is the one I want. Um, and uh picked it up and been working on that. And, that, man, they just had it. Just you want to you want to tank controls and platforming and empty spooky spaces. And sometimes an animal runs at you and you shoot it 800 times. <laughs> yeah. I've killed so many lions and gorillas. Um, I I remember really enjoying the Tomb Raider games back in the day. Yeah, um, I uh, yeah, because I I liked the Crystal Dynamics ones. Um, the the one like Legend and Anniversary and Underworld to a lesser extent, mostly Legend. And then the reboot ones, I'm like, eh, I played them, but I was like, eh. I didn't play Shadow actually. I, I played like the first ninety minutes of Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and I was like, I think I'm good. I don't think I need this anymore in my life. Yeah, I played the the first one, and uh, oh, that game fucking yeah. sucked. I, was I, like, uh, I liked I liked Rise, the middle one. Um, we did an episode on real mapping on it for ages. We did like all three of the like Legend trilogy, and then. Uh, Tomb Raider reboot and uh, Rise, which was all that was out at the time. Too many games to cover in one episode. 
I would never do an episode on Tomb Raider original, uh, even though it's one of the greatest games I've ever made, because what the fuck can you say about it? It's great when there's spaces and I can jump really good. It's all I want in a video game. But there, yeah. that's it. Like, I, we did it. That's that's two sentences. We're done. Let's go home. Yeah. Um, It is great, though. The jumping's yeah. great. It's just a fun time. Oh, uh, yeah. Um... I mean, the big thing I did is I beat Final Fantasy VIII last night. Oh, you finished it? Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize you'd finished it. Last I knew, you were like, well, I got did all my grinding. I guess I should maybe go to Lunatic Pandora and finish Disc 3. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess you saved this one in your back pocket for me. <laughs> yeah, I intentionally uh, just didn't tweet about it or anything. Being like, I'll, I- I'll just casually say it on Elf after we like, go through other stuff. I think the final cutscene of Final Fantasy VIII is the pinnacle of Square's capacity to do visual storytelling. Yeah. Um, that cutscene is great. Yeah. Um, it was also, because I went in, that final boss is, like, long. I yes. mean, it, it's, yes, mul- it it's multiple final bosses, but it's, like, yeah. you know, uh, I'm used to, like, three stages. I think it was more than that. You, like, go well, through the three stages and then... Like no, because it's 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 griever, it's combined griever, and then it's Ultimisha. But Ultimisha has kind of two stages, but they're soft stages. But there's also um, the Ultimisha before you get to griever. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess four and a half. Let's say four and a half stages. Yeah. Oh, uh, and it does like the little fake out when you beat combined griever, and it yeah. like goes dark, like all the like light flutters away, and then it goes dark, and you're like, oh, did I beat it? And then it's just like, here's Ultimisha. <laughs> Yeah, then yeah. the fucking song plays and the yeah. light comes out of the nothingness. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I went in it to being like, uh, I I have no idea what this fight's going to be like because I think also like, um, you know, occasionally I would just be like looking ahead, so I wouldn't read the boss fights, but I'd still have like an idea of like, oh, there's a bunch right in here. Maybe this is like a long fight or whatever. Uh, but you get to like the part where it's time to fight the the final boss and yeah the, the brady is like go to the website or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> um we don't want to spoil the final boss for you so good luck yeah uh which was fun i'm i'm like glad that the stuff i just came to it but i also mm. just went in being like i don't know how long this is gonna be um yeah. and i didn't know about the thing where um if you don't resurrect like the person can like disappear oh, yeah, into the time stream out. or whatever yeah yeah um and also it happened like very fast the first time um interesting i think like one of the main people that i had to like who would be able to do the revive uh because it started me with uh squall reynoa and then um selfie and like by the end of the game like keistis squall reynoa those were like the ones that i built up they were just yeah. like the they could take on most things. The rest of the party I was like barely using towards the end. Yeah. Um, and none of the other ones had like the junctions because I also didn't know that it was just gonna randomly pull in three. Um Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh some attack took down Squall and Selfie at the same time. Um and so Reno was still there, but was like in the middle of a summon, I think. Um and so before I did the like uh, cause I had it set up so that like she could do double or triple spells. So I was trying to do the, the like full life on both of them. And like literally after I had selected on both of them, like Ultimisia took Squall away. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see if like Squall comes back, I guess. And just like kept going. 
Um, and it wasn't until the final stage where it's just like Ultimicia again, where, um, finally like the other two characters got fully knocked out, uh, like the, whatever the rest I had. Um, and so then, uh, Kestis came in for the, the end of that, um, and survived throughout all of it. But like most of it was just like Reno, uh, like soloing <laughs> Ultimicia, which is great. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh, and it it was very funny getting to the end too, where because some of it feels like it's supposed to be like oh squall like is the one who survives and is like trying to look for Genoa and just because of the way the battle went it felt so reverse for me <laughs> um of like squall truly was just lost the longest <laughs> um, i mean that's like that's like the that's the text of the ending cutscene mm-hmm. to me right is like squall's the person who's like i don't know who i am i i didn't ever have an identity and the holes in my brain mean that I don't know who my family is and everything. Um, and it's no, you idiot. You had your friends. That's why, that's why yeah. you get to come back. You have people yeah. who remember you because <laughs> they're fine. They're fucking on the other side, just chilling out, waiting for Squall to show up. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny too. Cause I, I was trying to find, um, cause I also had a funny thing where I had named Squall's ring something and forgot about it. Oh, um, yeah. So then I was trying to look up what all the dialogue was because the one other person that I told was Autumn because I just thought that this occurrence was very funny. Um, And I wanted to find the different lines so I could like get right what what my version was. Um, And uh, in that, then I saw people arguing about like the Japanese version, like the proper way to translate it or whatever. Uh, you know, people always get upset about localization or whatever. Yes. Um, and it being specifically like, oh, it's supposed to be Altamisia's like bringing in Griever to like play mind games with Squall because Squall thinks of Griever as like the strongest or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, that didn't happen in my version because Squall was gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's weird because it's like a reference to a thing. This is like the, the one of the things I like about Final Fantasy VIII is that it's it's just not very like interested in explaining a lot of its world sometimes. Um, like he only says that at the beginning when you name Griever, it's like, oh, this is this was my guard. This is the symbol of my guardian force, like the idea I have of a guardian force, the strongest thing that could ever be. And then it's basically not mentioned for 40 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so if people listen to the the Barry Lyndon episode, Connor, I think it named mm. it Penis. Yes, um, <laughs> something stupid like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I apparently was also in in some uh fit of cheekishness, named it Faggot. <laughs> so, and the first line that you get where it's like calling out Griever is it's like you know, uh, Griever, make them bleed. And so I, I just got like Faggot, make them bleed. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> no one ever said the F slur was in this game. And then I quickly put it together when like. Like people um, kept saying it, but <laughs> wrong Final Fantasy yeah. for that. I feel like, yeah. Um, I was like, this is a wild spoony bard moment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people would have talked about this one by now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I would have like five different friends who would have tweeted screenshots of it. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. So yeah, <laughs> it, that was very funny. Um. But, uh, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Um, I especially yeah. enjoyed, I think the second disc was like the weakest disc overall for me, but, um, I can see that. I really yeah. love the Battle of Gardens. I think, in terms of like pure spectacle, I don't know if RPGs have ever really hit that yet yeah. since. 
Battle of the Gardens is great. I hate the little mini game where you're you're hanging from the like flying yeah. thing with the Absolutely. soldier. This is the it was the worst fucking shit. shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. Not that the other discs didn't have similar dog shit mini games. Also, but... just two as fishermen survive in the greatest city in any video game. So you know what you're gonna do. Yeah. Um. I like the uh, disc three in particular. I think had like a fair amount of like. You having to like carry Renoa around when she was. Oh yeah, the bit yeah. where he's on the train tracks and he's just yeah, yeah. That part is great. Yeah, love it. I think that was like my favorite. Like, uh, aside from the ending, like moment big, of the game. Big, um, big. I played this game when I was fourteen. Vibes. That is the first time a video game ever made me cry. Was Squall carrying <laughs> Renoa down those train tracks? <laughs> yeah. Um. My mine may have been uh, Aerith dies. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i just the seven never hit for me in the same way like i played it i played it more than final fantasy 8 honestly um and it was like my introduction to final fantasy but like it's never been that thing for me um eight has been that thing for me forever yeah um i think like the the most intense like i'm crying at a game because like Aerith dying was like me being also just like upset that I'd spent a bunch of time like developing Aerith <laughs> as a character, you know, just like pure yeah. gameplay reasons. Uh, but the end of Chrono Cross just like fucked me up when I was a kid. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that final cutscene. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I had another thing too, which is what RPG should I play next? Oh, um, I mean, I've got like a list, but also if you have if you have initial suggestions. Um, hmm. have you played moon i haven't played moon you should play moon um, actually what you should play is eeb it's not an rpg though yeah but it's like two hours three hours long maybe and it's like in this it's like it made an rpg maker i think i think um and is good and i i think you would vibe with it quite a bit okay um do you want me to also good do you want me to run Uh, through the the list i have yeah yeah yeah. um so these first three are ones where or the first two are ones where i will need to like mess around with the the setting stuff on the steam deck um but atelier riza or final fantasy 13 okay um does 13 run on deck i didn't know that um it seems like it's it's one where there's like various Similar to Ryza, like there's like a patch that people have, and then Ryza. Last I checked, Ryza just runs. I think it's fine. Pretty sure it's um, listed as native on um, Proton DB. Maybe. Um, I feel like there's still like some recommended patch for Ryza. Okay, maybe not. I mean, it might have like a yeah, it might have some fan patch or whatever, but um, platinum, yeah, platinum um, on Proton DB, so it should be fine. Yeah. I think the I think the like main fix thing is it just makes the the text larger. Oh yeah 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 that's yeah. fair. That uh, is a, that is a constant Steam Deck problem, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Also on here is finish Persona Five Tactical uh, Tactica or Soul Hackers Two. Um. I'll be honest, I'm not super excited about either of those. <laughs> well, if you're asking me, you know I'm never going to pick those yeah. anyway. So. Um. Then I have uh, actually tried to beat Final Fantasy VII, the game I've never beaten. I've I've Ooh. started it many times, um, mm. but I've never beaten it. 
The thing with seven is um, because you're a person who likes when your RPGs are like little fiddly and yeah. uh, complicated. Seven is a dumb as rocks video game for the most part. <laughs> In yeah. terms of, like, the things you do moment to moment, not complicated, extremely straightforward. There's, like, capacity to break it, but there's no, like, challenge. Seven's a very easy game. Yeah. Um. Then uh, Final Fantasy IX, because they've never played it. Okay. I don't I don't feel like IX's a game you would like, but I'd love to be wrong about that. Yeah. Um. I mostly just remember... Uh, watching a friend play some of it um and i especially mm-hmm. remember the part where uh i don't remember her name before she's dagger but when she cuts her hair off oh garnet yeah garnet yeah um uh final fantasy 10 and 10 2 uh 10 would be cool. a replay 10 2 i played a fair amount of but i don't think i ever beat mm-hmm. um kodelka that's some video i've never Ooh, i've never played kodelka yeah um, these next two, you would just say no to, which is Raido Kuzunoa or Digital Devil Saga. Um, I, if, I mean, if you, if you wanted me, if you're like, which, put a gun to my head, which Shin Megami Tensei game do you need, you, should you play? I would say, uh, the, the, the first one, that one, the Raiko, whatever. The Raido Kuzunoa? Yes, that one. Yeah. The, the action RPG one? Yeah, but like, everything about that game seems interesting other than the part where it's an SMT game. <laughs> to yeah. me. Um... That one, I I had started playing once, but then some other RPG came out, like, right after it, and then I just fell off of it. I'm sure we're going to have fans of it that are going to tell me I'm wrong, but I have never seen a good pitch for playing Digital Devil Saga, because, you, like, they're, it's like a duo of games. As far as I know, you need to play both of them, because the first one's not, like, an ending. They just made two games, like a story yeah. with two games. And I've always heard it be like, if you think... Uh, Shimago Tensei is like too fiddly, and you want like the Final Fantasy quote unquote version of uh, Shimago Tensei. That's digital, digital Double Saga. To which I say, the, the you can't do that. <laughs> no, in no universe do I want those two tastes to taste good together. They're not going to. Um, there's like weird cannibalism imagery in Digital Double Saga. That's fun. Okay. But yeah. Um, I would say in terms of the, it, it is like a. I feel like a bit simpler than some of the other, especially of the PlayStation 2 era. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like SMT has done more since then to try and like make it simple oh, yeah. for newcomers. But they want to sell copies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have two more on this list. Um, uh-huh. Stella Davis, which I assume you just don't even know. Um, no. This is a PlayStation 2 game that is the spiritual successor to Hoshigami. Uh, it's a tactical RPG. Um, okay. And it was like specifically their attempt to like do one final like refining of the battle system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the first one um, that was it Shigenori Soejima, the, the like character designer for Persona oh, yeah, 3. No, did. It's very clear looking at yeah. the cover that that's what this is. <laughs> um. And then the other one is Xenosaga. Replaying okay. it. It's been I've never played Xenosaga. I have mentioned before that, like, I'm coming, I'm like a couple months away from finishing Tactics, um, that I've considered maybe doing a Let's Play of Xenosaga. Uh, no, Xenogears, sorry, not Xenosaga. Xenogears. Um, I still have not committed that, and I might not ever do a Let's Play again. I don't know. It's a lot of time. Um, yeah. 
But I, Xenogears is one of those I always wanted to do, and I don't know. I think I need an impetus to do it if I'm ever going to do it. And I don't think I want to do an episode on it for the podcast because I don't. I don't think that's going to be. I think that's going to be me complaining about anime instead of talking about the video game Xenogears. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah i I played through all of the Xenosaga games once, um, mm-hmm. and I've played through Xenogears twice. So okay. Um. I mean, I think that's an interesting spread. I think, um, I think of the ones you've got there, I would say finish seven would be a big one just because it gives you a lot of uh, context for shit that I'm going to be talking about in the next eight years of doing podcasts. Not with yeah. you, but with, with Jackson. That's all we, all we do is talk about fucking Final Fantasy seven at this point. Um, I've had to turn to a bit that we must stop <laughs> after next month, uh, because it's really become ruinous. Um, and, um, I um I think uh the Raikou Kuzunoa or whatever it's called. That seems pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um But play Eve instead. Okay. And then play one of those. Yeah. Um Final Fantasy VII is that one where like I do want to just finally beat it someday. Uh yeah. but also I've done the beginning of that game m- multiple times. Um because I, I played it, uh Aerith died. Um I got sad about it as a kid, uh, stopped playing it, went back and wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I had been watching my brother play it. And like, then mm. I just ended up watching my brother play most of it. Okay. Um, and then, uh, later I was like, okay, I'm going to restart and try and do it. But then I got the weird glitch where I tried to go into the, the, um, like prison. I tried to go into the, the golden saucer and actually went into the prison because I didn't go in the right way or whatever. Uh, it's mm. like a glitch that I've only ever seen people get on, on, uh, the PC version, but somehow oh, okay. I got it on the PlayStation version. Weird. Yeah. I've never, I've yeah. never has seen that. So. Um, yeah, you just go there before, like you go to the prison before you go to golden saucer. And then because you haven't done the golden saucer stuff yet, like the characters that you need to talk to, you can't get to. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I think twice since then I had like started it on my PSP and just like fallen off. So, okay. Um, the thing is, it's really short. So, I mean, like yeah. compared to like a lot of RPGs on your list, that game, that game could be completed in like 35 hours. No sweat. No problem. Yeah. Um, and that's not true of like Final Fantasy 13, which is a very long video game. Yeah. Um, I'm, I might just try. I'm just going to be like in Midgar, though. I'm be like, I fucking know this part. Yeah. Put on cheats <laughs> you know. to seek it out of Midgar. Download um, a save that ends you at, at Midgar. If you're playing the PlayStation version, I'm sure there's saves for that sort of shit. It, I don't know if you know this answer, maybe a listener. Yeah. I would probably still have a save on my PSP from the last time that I tried to play through it. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there's a way, if that save would work, because it would be the, the like, E-boot. E-boot save. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know mm. if there'd be a way to get that to then work on, yeah, I don't like, know. the... I'll look into that. Yeah. Um, if I can do that, then I'll definitely pick it up. Um, but if I have to do fucking Midgar again... <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially because I've also played Remake and did fucking Midgar. It anyway. seems as if there are tools that can do this. Uh, there's just like a drag it into a thing sort of thing. I've never done this, but okay. uh, it, there's definitely a process that exists in the world. Um, how easy it is, is not my place to say. Yeah. Um, wow. 
I'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a problem because the Midgar part of that game is um, I mean, once you played it once, you don't need to play it again, really. I mean, there's like stuff there, but yeah, like I said, I'm not a seven sick. I like I, seven's important. I played it a lot. I have a lot of opinions about it, but like I'm not enthused about seven the way I am about a lot of games in the world. It's uh, in the middle of my Final Fantasy ranking, like somewhere in the middle, you know? Yeah. Um, I maybe could have been a seven sicko, but then I played Chrono Cross. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I feel like that's the, the main thing I did. Mm-hmm. I've been watching movies, but like I have this thing where... Um, I really like Criterion's slate of Black History Month stuff because not only do they have their normal Black History Month uh, selection, they have that uh, intersection of like electronic music and uh, blackness uh, set of movies. But the thing with all those, and it's not a problem, it's only a problem for me because of my stupid content brain or whatever, is they're all documentaries. And I'm, when I go to watch a movie, I'm like, watching a documentary is basically like I, I, I have nothing to report when I do a podcast necessarily because yeah. especially when it's like – about a me- like I watched a movie last night called Maestro about uh, early like underground clubs in New York City uh, in the eighties, like the beginnings of like DJing as a concept uh, in like queer clubs, and it's great. Um, and then I mean, it's, it's one of those documentaries where it's like, man, this is all really cool. And then the, everyone involved they're interviewing is like, yeah, everyone I knew died of AIDS, and the, the whole thing blew up. You know, uh, there's no scene anymore; everyone's dead. And you're like, well, that was a real bummer of ninety minutes. Um, but like. What do I have? I have nothing when I come when I come to reptile screenings. I don't have anything to say about it really, um, and so I just feel like I'm like, oh, I should have watched like a narrative film, um, but I don't. I it's it feels like a bad impulse, right? Like I don't want to just yeah. like not watch documentaries, and I wanted to watch this set of films, and I'm doing it, but I do feel like on some level, like I have this weird anxiety that I'm oh, I'm, I'm spending my time wrong when I watch the wrong kind of film, uh, which is dumb as shit. But you know, I'm just here to report the news. You know, this is what this podcast is about. Talk about what, I, what we've been up to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that is, especially. I mean, we talked about the back matter here. You go into the like the real. Uh, nonfiction stuff, and you're like, yeah, I I learned some stuff. I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes with the documentary, there's like enough in there that I can talk about the oh, like yeah. approach or whatever. But sometimes I have criticism of a do- like the thing I do, you know, formal criticism of a, of documentaries and the things they talk about or how they present it, whatever. Um, but stuff like that where it's just mostly talking heads and footage of a time and a place. I'm like, I mean, I didn't, I don't, I didn't go here. Um. I wasn't even alive for most of it, and it's interesting, and I, I learned a lot, and I enjoyed the music, and it was sad, but I have nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> even if I did, I'm not sure it was my place to do so. Uh, and so it's just as like, and I, like, I'm glad for those movies to exist. I'm glad they're showing them on Criterion. I'm continuing to watch them. Uh, but I do always feel like, oh, what if I had spent that watching some narrative movie? It's not like the narrative movies I was, I'm going to watch are going to be, like, life-changing anyway. Uh, probably. probably Who knows? Um I just need to get over it. But I do always have the like, well, then I don't have things to report about on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe we could always just do V-Cinema. You keep threatening it. <laughs> <laughs> I joked with you V-Cinema season of ALF, which I don't think we're going to do anytime yeah. soon. Um, but it would be very fun uh, just because we could watch a bunch of shit uh, that I, I would love to watch um, and enjoy probably. Yeah. 
But realistically, uh, I don't think we're actually going to do that. But who knows? This podcast can take many forms. Uh, Yeah. But I'm at the point now where I'm like, man, I just want to read the books we're reading, and I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, if you'd hit me in the middle of uh, Hymnskringla, I'd been like, yeah, fucking let's turn this into a movie podcast. The strike was stolen, so we couldn't have done that. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm much more up on doing the thing we do now than I was a couple months ago, and that's fine. It's good. I feel good about it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I was like, we we could watch all sorts of weird shit because you were talking because you covered um, uh. The your your Zaxxon movie. I didn't give a shit about that. The movie you were talking about before that sounded incredible. That's when I was like, man, that movie sounds so yeah, fucking cool. Yeah, the movie cool. rules. Uh, <laughs> Zeki, Florian, and Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, no characters in that movie have any of those names. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like everything about it, I was like, man, this is the shit. This is what I'm looking yeah. for in my movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that movie ruled. Uh, people can find it on Rare Film M if they want to check it out. Um, I mean, it's also a thing of like, I just expect, I think I did like four and a half stars. And sometimes I'm like, I'm thinking about it in retrospect being like, man, that's five stars. But the, the beginning is kind of boring. Um, you know, in the moment I was, I was understanding the, the beginning was kind of boring, but, um, I also fully believe a lot of people would not give it five stars or four and a half. Um, mm-hmm. But also, it just, like, so specifically appealed to even just, like, the aesthetic stuff that I care about, so. Yeah. I um, watched a movie with Destiny the other day called uh, Dolls. It's a Stuart Gordon film from the 80s. Um, and the minute I we finished watching it, I gave it five stars. I thought it was fantastic. We had a... It's, like, this goofy, like, dark fairy tale about this girl and her awful dad and her, her, her stepmom who are Americans, but driving through the British countryside and they, they go, they break down and they find this house and it's got this toy maker and his wife and their elderly and they make a bunch of dolls. And it turns out the dolls are like living and they, they start like murdering people in the house. And it's like, it's not a horror comedy, but because it's in a fairy tale, um, but it's Stuart Gordon and he can't help himself. The special effects and gore are all really good, but it's like kind of for kids. And it's just really funny. Um, despite not being a comedy, really. Um, it has a really fun protagonist of this like other normal guy who shows up. His car broke down. Um, and I love him. And uh, it was great. Five stars. And I go to Letterboxd and everyone's like three stars. You know, it's kind of total inconsistent. It's a little too goofy. And the, why is it so violent? And I'm like, what's where's your joy? Can't you just enjoy a goofy horror movie for being a goofy horror movie? The dolls are uh, uh, like, like the it's like stop motion and puppetry. They both look good. People die real good. Everyone's acting their ass off chewing scenery. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Sometimes a movie's just five stars, even though you know it's like not a quote unquote stone cold classic, but your reaction to it is just pure and good. And that's a five star fucking film. Yeah. Um That that is the especially when you get in like the weird uh, less so than uh the clans there as a trans woman, but like there's a lot of uh you know, five star reviews for Zeki Florine and Kelly. Um oh. Because I feel like some of it is just self-selecting, too. Like, you're, yes. like, going this far down the hole. You, like, know the aesthetic thing that you're after, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But I did see one that I, I thought uh, I thought was very funny. It was, like, three or, like, three and a half stars or something. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was, like, the edit to the review. Uh, and it was just, I've been thinking about this movie every day for a straight year. God damn it. <laughs> Um, there you go and i'm like that's the the mood too is you know 
Yeah. Um, yeah. The movie's great. Um, the, the like music is so weird too. Cause like occasionally you'll have like rock music, but then like that'll be like diegetic off of the van stereo or whatever. Um, mm. but then there's just all sorts of like bizarre, weird humming and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm still thinking about it, his like dick unscrewing and it having a fuse inside. <laughs> I really thought yeah. it was going to like turn into something more too. Like it was going to be a bomb or whatever. And it just never, um, yeah, never like went much beyond that. If you don't know what the fuck Neve's talking about, go listen to Ornate Stairways. <laughs> yeah. That's even in the free feed by now. Cause it's been a week. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I mean, you know me, I'm a aggressively anti Yakuza film as a stance, but I do like myself some Japanese movies. I'm not, I'm not immune. Yeah, I just don't like the ones everyone else seems to like. Um, another great thing about Zeki, Florian, and Kelly is it's 78 minutes, which is just a oh, great yeah, length for yeah. a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Clan Zero as a trans woman was fun, but mid. Yeah, I you talk about I'm like there's nothing here that I I would I would find worthwhile for me. Yeah, I just don't like that form of film. Like you know it's fine. I don't really like uh, samurai movies, and I I don't like a lot of traditional westerns. It's, you know it's all the type. Mm-hmm. Don't like gangster movies in America either. Uh, you know it's not like I'm picking one or the other. It's just not a f- genre I care that much about. Yeah. Uh. I feel like some of those genres I enjoy, and yeah, because it's just the one. It's like there's such a formula that I just find it fascinating. So. Yeah. Um, but it, I think the only the only form in which I really like the formula like that is like horror movies. So yeah. Um, yeah, and it is to like such an extent where there are just tons, and you know, I I quickly like moved on from those, but there are tons that are literally just doing like beat by beat. You know, yeah. which for the most part, the clan there is a trans woman is doing people who are like, this movie is the greatest movie I've ever seen. The last 10 minutes are fantastic. Just watch more Yakuza movies. It's fucking all of them. <laughs> it's going um, to beat the ending of Dead or Alive. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Ending of Dead or Alive is incredible. Yeah. Dead or Alive too, but in a very different way. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um... Yeah. Uh, at some point, we got to do Gozu on stairwells. Because um, uh, truly, the the Yakuza movie that really tries to consummate the homoeroticism. So, okay. Um, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I remember uh, one of the Anaki um, becoming a woman so that they can have sex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, man, they really just put it all out there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but also like in a weird metaphysical way, not just like transitioning, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, still transitioning, but in the, the weird metaphysical way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I don't have too much else. I need, I, I need to start reading, uh, Earthsea. 
Yeah, I finished uh, on Farther Shore, the the Farther Shore, um, this week. Uh, I actually read it in a day. I read uh, yesterday. I had a lot of downtime at work for, for once in my life because uh, of the holiday, um, and just read the whole thing in like one sitting. It was wild. Yeah, um, I almost have every element of the Ghibli uh, Ursi film in my head. I think once I read Tahanu, everything will be there because the, 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 they pulled from a lot of things, but it's mostly on the farther shore and the Wizard of Ursi. And there's a little bit of uh, Tomb of Adawan and a little bit of Tahanu in there. Um, and at no point does any of it make any fucking sense. <laughs> the more I read of this, the more I'm like, what were they? What were they talking about when they made the movie like this? The, man, that is truly one of the most bafflingly mediocre movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you better believe that I was immediately in Austin's DMs after reading out the Father Shore being like, you should get the, the, the two of them to watch the Ghibli or C movie. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. for them to also be confused to why the fuck that movie is the way it is. Because <laughs> I would love to hear someone else talk about it. Yeah. Um why does he stab his dad at the beginning of the movie? It doesn't make it never comes up again. It's not it's why? Well, we know why. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the books. <laughs> it has it has to do with the man who directed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But... Let girl play with his puppets. Leave that man alone. Yeah. Um I did read one chapter from Wizard of Earthsea out loud to my child, uh, mm. which also is just necessarily going to slow down reading. Um, oh, yeah. And then especially after I read most of the back matter in one Saturday, I was like, oh, yeah, I could just like have this on a lazy Saturday and probably like churn yeah. through a bunch of it. So, yeah, Um, I just haven't done that yet. So, yeah, I figured I would finish Final Fantasy eight first. So, yeah, that's fair. It's really, man, it's so good. I I did think that there was going to be more of, like, the time compression world. I know that you could, like, leave through the portals and go around. Um, There's nothing really to do. Yeah. Like, the guide was like, here's the stuff you can do. And it's like, go play the card game with the people on, uh, like, go on an extremely long quest to get back your ship and play the card game with the people on it. I was like, no. Yeah. On some level, there's like a thematic like crux to it, right? Ultimisha lives in a lives in a time where there is no other things because she's entirely she's the thing she's the person who's fully cut off. There's no one who cares about her um, or remembers her. Um, Queen of the entire world, but there's no world left to be queen of uh, in in any way that matters. but also, it's like the end of the disc, and they just didn't have anything left. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like disc four has got nothing on it. Yeah, I was hoping there'd just be like more weird stuff of like exploring like old spaces that I had been in. Um, mm. But uh, I understood a, why there, it wasn't that. But there is a um, there is a Final Fantasy dungeon in one of the games you have not played that has a very good section that is kind of like that. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think I also had that expectation or like that hope because of like, like the core thing of Chrono Cross is like going back to places that you've been, but it's different now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I part of me Cross was wondering. so extremely different about yeah. what they care about. Yeah, they truly eight are. Is, eight is so much about like one boy's journey to get over himself and grow up and learn to connect to people. And Chrono Cross is so focused on like big picture ideas of like fate and death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and just like, 
Chrono Cross is just so much lonelier. Um, yes. And so much more just like having an existential crisis about being alive. <laughs> yes. Um, and I feel like eight is not really like in that no. existential crisis mode. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it was fun. <clears throat> you told me to go, uh, make sure I talked to people before I went to like on the ship before I went to, um, yeah. Lunatic Pandora. That was I mean, good. I'm, we're, we're talking about the end of Final Fantasy VIII. The, the, the conversation with Laguna in, on the Ragnarok <laughs> is optional. And it's wild that that's optional to me. Yeah. Um, cause like you can infer it from the ending. It's like there, all the pieces are there, but it is nice where someone just fucking tells you the thing. Yeah. Um, and also like in that conversation, it's like, oh, you know, we'll talk when this is all over or whatever. Yes. <clears throat> um, so I was expecting there to be like more in disc four about it too, beyond yeah, just no. like it showing up in the cutscene. It really is just that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause after that, Laguna's gone hanging out with, uh, alone on the fucking sad field with his dead wife and her dead mom, yeah. not even her mom her dead adoptive mom. Um, uh, it truly was funny how that, that. Because especially, you know, I just, I had Kakar on her, and, like, uh, when I started, she was, like, level 14 or something. Um, yeah. And she was, like, level 80 when I, when I... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was, like, all attacks did, like, at most 1,000 damage on me. Um, oh. Even when they uh, did the, the summoning a bunch of planets to smash into you. Um, yes. And then, like... Uh, if I did, pro- the most effective was like meteor because I did like two thousand per hit of the meteor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just like, this is this is ridiculous, but, um, yeah. Um, the only time I felt like at all in danger is um, Ultimisha has the like that one that just lowers you to like one HP or whatever. Yes. Um, but especially once that started happening, I had Keistus and Keistus had, um, recover. So I just had oh, like yeah. Keistus first recover Renova and then herself. Um, yep. but I was like, if, if Keistus goes down, Renova can still do like Kiraga or something. Yeah. Um, until I lost it. There was a part at the end where, uh, Kiraga got taken away from me and I was like, ah, well, don't need, don't really don't want like <laughs> Keistus to die now. <laughs> um, because I did not have Kira anymore. It was a waste of time. No, uh, yeah. I had a hundred Kiraga. Yeah, you don't need yeah. Kira. Yeah. Um. <laughs> truly funny how much she she just soloed. <laughs> yeah, but. Um. Especially I went into the fight too. I had a bunch of the like plus eighty or whatever, so I'd like plus eighty to attack, uh, oh, magic yeah. and. Um, I think luck, because I mm-hmm. really didn't need it for anything else. Um, and then I also had counter. So anytime I got hit, I would just automatically do 9999 with the counter. And then uh, Angelo would come in and do 9999. Oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, feel feel free to do 1000 damage to me. It's fine. <laughs> 
that is the first game I ever played with a head like a break damage limit because in the main game you don't really find it but if you get Quistus's final blue magic uh shockwave pulsar which is a move the griever uses on you I think yeah um it can do it can do like 14 15 thousand damage um and I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen and then 10 blows that way out where like you you get characters that just do like hundreds of thousands of damage once you get the break damage limit on them yeah um uh. The temptation to play Final Fantasy X again is there. I I yeah, love ten and I mean, ten too so one much. One of the best. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, the thing with ten for me is that um the story is really good through the game, but the it it is kind of like one long ramp up to the part where they let you play the video game at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm always at a war between do I want to play the story of Final Fantasy X or do I want to play the battle system of Final Fantasy X? And those are like separate experiences, basically, in the same video game. <laughs> yeah. Um, truly, I think 10 and 10 is just my favorite Final Fantasy, though. It's my number two. I love it. It's good shit. I was about to yeah. ask what's Maybe number one, and I was like, oh, wait, I know this answer. <laughs> yeah, you know what to Yeah. Yeah. Um... Oh, I should try and play something else first, though, and then we'll probably yeah. Get it. Um, I think that's it. Do you want to get out of here? Yeah, yeah. you want to get out of here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next time we are reading uh, the Headley version of Beowulf. Uh, you know the the link to the spreadsheet will be in this episode, but we're going to be reading lines one to one thousand seven. Um, you know, yeah. please enjoy if you're reading a different version of Beowulf, uh, figure it out. Yeah. I don't fucking know what to tell you. The line may end weird and then just read a couple yeah. more lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking forward to that. Um, Where can people find you? You can find me at Foxwomnia on Twitter, basically. Uh, I'm also on other places, but that's the place where I'm actually posting. Um, and do you like podcast promo and stuff? I'm just bad about using anything else because nobody retweets. I mean, or nobody like reposts or rechosts or whatever on the other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I get like seven retweets pretty regularly. That's more than the other ones. So, um, yeah. You listen to my other podcasts, uh, Ghost Divers, Ornate Stairwells, Pondering Pluton. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore Bing. Uh, you can find all my podcasts, abnormalmapping.com. Uh, the abnormal mapping on Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown is up already. Came out at the end of last week. Uh, Molly was on for that one. We had a great time. It was a good episode. Looking forward to people hearing that. Um, I will be gearing up to being playing Final Fantasy by the time this comes out. So, uh, yeah, continues Final Fantasy time, I guess. Um, Oh, watch me and Dia play My Summer Vacation 2. It's on Dia's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Dia Lucina. Uh, every Sunday we're playing that. Uh, we're two episodes in. Uh, three, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this. And uh, it's been fucking great. It's just a cool, charming game. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the second episode today because I was editing a bunch of podcasts. But while I was, like, working. Mm. But... I'm looking forward to it. The first one was fun. Yeah. yeah. The game seems very charming. Yeah. I mean, I've been wanting to play it for literally since I heard about it, since I knew it existed, which was like over 10 years ago at this point. Um, and I never thought it would get any sort of, I mean, the idea of PS2 fan translations didn't exist to me. 10, like when I first heard of this video game, I'm not sure there were any. Um, 
We've come a long way. Yeah. Um, congrats to Naressa for over 600k subscribers. Yeah. Her mom's going to be on when her mom's back from vacation. Oh, that's good. I didn't know she was on vacation. Yeah. I'm glad about that. Um, I heard her brother was on. I saw clips. I didn't click on them. It, I think he like just said one word. Oh, okay. He said, uh, ballista. Cause he okay. like came in while she was streaming to show her like this thing he made. And then she okay. was being like, he it was came, a ballista? Yeah. yeah. And she was like, he like came in and then like was talking about Why it. Why is her then, family a cartoon? Why I don't, are they cartoons? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I gotta say, if a radio was a real streamer and not just like a guest star, she would, she would go in my Oshi. I have a lot of Oshis to be fair. I'm not like, I'm not watching a lot of YouTubers. I'll be honest. I'm very busy, but I have like four Oshis. Um, can you name, can you name my Oshis in order? Can you name my four Oshis? In um, Fauna, I think is number one, right? Nope. No, no. No. Kiara? No. Um, oh, um, fuck. What's her name? The spider. Yes. Spider's number one. I mean, yeah. yeah. Number two. Um, then I, th- I assume Fauna. Yes, correct. Then Kiara. Yes. And then Fuamoko. Uh, specifically Mokoko. Yeah. Mokoko is the, the one. The bratty yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. She's not, she, look, she suffers under the oppression of her older sister. It's not bratty, if it's true. <laughs> um, it's still a little bratty. It's still a little bratty. It's they're a, both bratty. They're, they're bratty in such different ways. It's a compliment. Fu was Fu was such a fucking sicko. Uh, that Mokoko yeah. has to be bratty to be to survive. Honestly, yeah. um, I love him, but I like Mokoko way more. Um, yeah, you know, um, Aradia's just she's got this cool like. She reminds me of like, like, I don't I don't really like my mom. We have a bad relationship, but like. You ever have like your mom's cooler friends than her? <laughs> like, yeah. just like this, like, 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 not like, not, not a wine mom because she doesn't have kids. She's just cooler. She hangs out. She's doing stuff. You're like, oh, adults can do stuff. They isn't just like come home from work and be sad. Um, that's who Aradia is to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Aradia is great. Yeah. Um, it's also very funny how much like a radio will come on to like do three songs on karaoke and then like somehow like convince Narissa to let her stay and then mm-hmm. get mad at Narissa that like Narissa kept her so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great dynamic. And the chat just loves her. So yeah. Narissa gets mad and Narissa being mad at chat is always good. Yeah. I saw a clip today of, uh, of, her and chat being in something of a disagreement about whether or not reverse bunny suits were good or not. Um, which I'm sure was from a recent stream. Um, because chat was like, they're good. And she's like, no, it, it, it's, it's too much. It leaves nothing to the imagination. I'm here to argue a step further, which is that all bunny suits are boring. Yeah. This is my take. I think they're like, I know that I'm just not weeb enough to be like bunny suit pilled. I just don't care. I, it's, there's nothing appealing. I mean, I get it. Like she's in a skimpy outfit, whatever. People like that stuff. But like, I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. There's no personality to a bunny suit in anymore. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's putting one. It's not exciting. It's not interesting. Get out of here. This is my hot take at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Bunny suits is bad. Cause also bunny suits is just such like a, a like, 
This is like, they've been doing it since fucking Playboy. It's just fucking old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so old. Yeah. There's not, there, yeah. Um, Get something with personality. Yeah. 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 There's no personality. It's like, whatever. Yeah. You're telling me care. Hugh Hefner figured out the good one? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but she, there, he did have her uh, say it's, it's, it's more lewd to be covered up, which is the most correct thing she's ever said. Yeah. <laughs> She is correct about how lewd her design is, where you barely yes. see any skin. Yeah. 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 That's 100% true. Yeah. Honestly, if she wanted to loot it up, she would show less skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah, we're done here. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week with Beowulf, uh, which means this is probably going to be the end of us uh, putting in the, the, the fucking Das Rheingold intro music uh, that I've been using. I got to find some music that represents Beowulf without using music from the film Beowulf, because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to me. I'm not going to do that to the listener. Yeah. Anyway, goodbye. See you next week. Bye. Then we are out of the saga. All right. We have an outro. Then we are out of the podcast. Then we are out of the podcast. <laughs>